You're gonna get someone messaging you afterwards saying, Why did you mention me? <laughs> hey, fuck <laughs> <laughs> She say you I cry because you are here today. Hey, Dom. Welcome to another edition of the No Chofters podcast on the OLB Network. Don't forget to like, subscribe, tell your nun. I'm your host, Stel, and this is a very, very special edition of the No Chofters podcast. It, it's practically, well, we planned it about an hour ago. As you guys know, John is our academy graduate. At the age of 20 years old, has made a historical move to Sporting Kansas City. It's a huge deal for us. And it's a huge deal for the player. And I'm pretty sure it'll be a huge deal for Sporting KC. But joining me is an MLS expert. This gentleman has written for the Guardian 442. He knows his stuff and he knows his MLS and he knows Sporting KC. Tom Bogut. Tom, welcome to the No Chuff This Podcast. How you doing? Cheers. Thanks for having me. That was a very kind intro. Uh, I hope that you didn't set the expectation levels too high. You know, just like bring them back down. Maybe eh, I'm, all, I'm all right. Mate, your credibility will go all the way down after being on this show. I'll tell you this one. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me at such short notice, man. I know you're a really busy guy. And yeah, first of all, um, John is this um, again for me, this came left field. We knew about the deal happening about two weeks ago, I'd mm-hmm. say, but we we weren't sure which MLS club he was linked with. Now, to be fair, um, this summer, just gone, we've got another academy player called Loizu, who's 18 years old, and he was tipped to move to Belgium. So we were all sitting thinking, when is jo- uh, Loizu going to go? But here we are, Johnny is, is now um, MLS bound. So w- what can you tell us about Sporting KC and what do you know about the player? Yeah, so this is uh, it's definitely an interesting one. Um, something that Sporting KC have done better in recent years is not just international recruitment, but international scouting that this... You know, there are a lot of hotbeds for MLS talent. Obviously, uh, Cyprus isn't isn't one of them. It's it's a league that obviously clubs know about, teams know about. But, you know, when it comes to MLS clubs, they've been – they branched out of Europe. They – you know, Argentina is a market that is completely wide open to MLS. And then some other smaller South American uh, countries. And, and Brazil is another, another one that's kind of widening. Europe is a little bit different uh, – more difficult to crack. But in recent years, uh, all clubs kind of have, have been widening – their nets and it's not just say you know the 18th best player at a big five league or a big five club like philadelphia have done good with finding guys in in outside of the top five leagues in europe and and getting good value on players like this because players have realized in conjunction with the league getting better that this is a good move you don't necessarily need to go to the french second tier to then get a chance to go to a big five league in europe so you know, I know you just asked me about sporting kc and, and i just answered with something that vague like that but hey, in the past, Sporting KC have leaned a lot on domestic talent. Um, they've expanded their scouting network. They've expanded their reach. And this is a great example of that. They went to Israel to get uh, a player last year, or yeah, a year and a half ago, called Gadi Kinda. Like three years ago, this wasn't something that would happen unless, say, an agent kind of got in touch. Like this is firmly from a scouting network. And this is 
Sporting KZ identifying a young talent, somebody who they think would fit in their system. Um, and, you know, they play a 43-3. And based on, you know, uh, you can tell me more about Johnny's, but as, you know, looking at his profile, reading about him, talking to people at the club, like they think that he's going to fit really well in, in their in their system. As, you know, their wingers are very, uh, very good right now, uh, but he's definitely going to get some games. It's an interesting one for us, not only because he's the first Cypriot to leave MLS, uh, so leave Cyprus to play in MLS. We have, we've had the striker called uh, Biero Sodiriu that left Abuel, who are our rivals, and he made a big money move to Copenhagen, which is around 2 million euros or 2.5. So this deal is almost the, the same amount, if you want to think about long term. Mm-hmm. But again, th- this came out of the blue because in Cyprus, it's such a small island. Well, there's about a million people on it, and everyone knows each other. Everyone knows someone that knows. It's 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 ridiculous how everyone. Knows. I mean, I've got a relative who works in the press. I only found out about a year ago. <laughs> I, I didn't even know, you know. And uh, it's, it's it's a strange one. But the reason why it came left field for us is because there wasn't any mention of it. Now, for me, I know how the football industry works from a, a legal perspective mm-hmm. when it comes to agents, etc. So I was trying to piece it all together. How would Sporting KC find out about this? player from Cyprus. I know we played Europa League football last season and he did fairly well. But at the same time, you're thinking, how? Do you have a rough idea? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Again, given his age and and again, it's it's not like he's, say, a starting center forward who's 23 years old who has a few seasons of scoring X amount of goals. And you go, oh, like, let's look into this guy. Like, I'm sure that these things are, are so organic and they can be they can be almost comical where you're you're scouting a, a Europa League match and you're you have a target on the other team and you just want and you're looking further into them. And then as you're watching that game, you say, oh, who, who's this on the on the other team? Or like I have so many stories that, about clubs that that, you know, they don't publicize information like that because it makes it looks like that they're like they just fell into signing a player. But this is all part of preparation. And this is why you have an expanded scouting network. And this is, you know, the advent of Y scout and all of these things like the football markets, it's, it's all smaller. You can, you can know players like if agents say, Hey, I've got a guy, maybe this deal is possible. And then you don't just have to go, well, tell me if he's good or not. Like you can go watch every single game the kid has played in his career. So I, I can't tell you specifically how sporting Casey found him, but I'm sure it's some combination of either they, they were looking at another target and they caught his eye or they were just generally scouting a competition or a league and, and he caught their eye. So, you know, they do a lot of work, when it comes to, you know, why scout again, all clubs want to be able to get to the market, wherever the player is to watch them in, in real life and, and speak to them in real life. But as far as I know, like my assumption would be that, that he just kind of came across their, their radar organically. Mm. That wouldn't surprise me, but something else wouldn't surprise me is that Omonia's president, Baba Stavro, he is based in the United States and um, he's, he's quite wealthy. He bought the club in 2018, a bit controversial, but I won't go into that. <laughs> Um, but the way that he's turned the club around, and I hate to use the term uh, Americanized, you know, because that's the word that we seem to yeah. use these days. But a lot of clubs, like for example, Manchester United, if you go on their website, you see commercial partners, you see, you know, a, a mobile communications partner <laughs> with uh, someone in Nigeria or in Macedonia. Omonia haven't moved that way yet, but you're seeing glimpses of how the marketing machine works. The club have got deals with clothing companies, with sunglasses companies, et cetera, et cetera. And all this has happened since Baba Stavros taken over. So again, it's the Americanism, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, but something tells me that something may have happened in the background by which, you know, Baba Stavros obviously got his links in the United States. 
he's probably attended a meeting somewhere or a networking event, spoken to someone who works for sporting and told them what he does, probably invited them to the training ground. I don't know. These things, it's, it's just conjecture. I mean, you just don't know how these things work. But in terms of sporting KC itself, what, what can we expect to see at the club in terms of Johnny's development? That's another thing that they've gotten better with lately. Um, they have a, a longtime manager who's who's really well respected around MLS. His name's Peter Vermees. He's he's good with development in that in the past they they built kind of their their great success off of yeah, I don't know how, how familiar everybody is with the concepts of MLS, but there's something called a super draft. Um, that is in not something that European soccer, it, it's something that's normal in American sports where the, the best collegiate athletes go into a draft rather than say being produced by clubs or whatever. But anyway, that was a bigger market in MLS a decade ago than it is today. It's, it's still useful. You can still find players in it, but it's more about Academy talent. Anyway, sporting Kansas city a decade ago built a little bit of a dynasty run with three or four players that they identified in the super draft and developed and they became national team guys. They became, Roger Espinosa went to Wigan. Um, Kai Kamara went to uh, Norwich City. Like he's he's been there for development, but until recently, they haven't had a lot of players come through the academy into the first team. But they they produced Gianluca Busio, who got transferred to Benicia FC. Uh, Eric Palmer Brown was another academy graduate who I believe is with Twa in France right now. So he's had a better track record with you know teenage talent and say you know more higher pedigree talent rather than taking a 21 or 22 year old and improving them he's always been good with that and he's always kind of leaned on veteran um but so he johnny's is, is joining a club that again they're super um specific in the way they play his uh, peter vermese's instructions the way that they train everything's deliberate it, they're not a team that changes it up a lot they're going to be 4-3-3 almost every single game more often than not, they they like to high press. You know, they make little tweaks here and there, but their general game model, the general principles, are aligned and they're they're trained, they're defined, and I think that that's really important for new players coming into a new system and a new club, and particularly a kid at Johnny's age and, and a kid who doesn't have experience. This is a this is a brand new move for anybody, let alone from somebody who's coming like he doesn't have any familiarity with his league, and it's not like going from you know, one European league to another or something that might be more similar. Like this is going to be a huge culture shock, both on and off the field, by the way, of style of play by, you know, trying to settle in alone probably for the first time. I don't know if his family's coming with him or not, but again, to make it as simple as possible or as, as seamless as possible as you can on the field, you have a manager and, and a coaching staff that are super defined in what they want and super, you know, set in their ways in a good way rather than being inflexible. So Johnny is joining a team that, you know, I'd, I, I, there aren't a lot of bad situations. I don't think that they can come out of this. He's going to be drilled to what he's doing. He's not going to be asked to sink or swim in five matches. Like they're probably going to bring him along slow because they have a bunch of options on the wing. So I, I really like this landing spot for any young player. Yeah, I'm, I'm really thrilled uh, to hear you say that. There's a lot of emphasis on pressing because that's one of his main strengths. We saw last season when we won the title how – he was very good at um, harassing fullbacks. They don't like that, you know. <laughs> and um, okay, he's, he's quick for the separate league. I don't know how he'll cope with the pace of MLS because right. you do have a lot of quick players there. But you know, this is a kid that I wouldn't say we're pinning all our hopes on to be the next mm. you know, big thing for, and then put Cyprus on the map. But what we've seen from him so far is that he's a he's a very resilient player. 
he doesn't shirk a challenge. He's he's not afraid to get kicked about. Like he'll do well here. <laughs> yeah, this, this is it. And he's he's what you guys call a clutch player as well. You know, last season there were, there were key moments in in the season, especially in the playoffs when it came to our title success. He scored some very important goals, and we're talking last minute winners, one on one with a goalkeeper. And you're expecting a, a youngster at 20 years old um, not to be, you know, sorry to to be right. uh, in awe of the situation at the moment, but he just gets his head down and he plays football. And to be fair, the people that I've spoken to that have been coaching him for years have said the moment he signed his pro contract at Omonia, they knew he was going to be something great. He was actually spotted by, as far as I've been told, um, one of our former strikers who played in, in the 90s. And he saw him and he said, this this lad is, is something special. And players that I've spoken to have since mm-hmm. left Omonia have told me, this kid is the real deal. He's he could play in MLS. He could play in Serie B. He could play mm-hmm. in a mid-table. Well, probably play in the Championship in the UK. So, I think I think it's very important. But in terms of his going back to his development, I know you guys have got a sorry, you guys are Sporting KC have got a, a Hungarian player called Saloy, if I'm not mistaken. And he's very very highly rated. I think he's 25 yes. years old. Plays yeah. on the left, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Preferably um, on the left. So how would that work because this this lad's highly rated. I think you could probably get five six million dollars, if not more, for him. So, do you think he's going to hinder Johnny's development, or do you think him being from a similar part of the world because Hungary isn't too far from Cyprus mm-hmm. and the culture is pretty similar? Do you think that will help Johnny's integrate, so to speak? Yeah, it should. Um, and again, an- another good part about this team is their their culture. Again, not to just get stuck into like amorphous things like this, but their culture is really strong, and that's what happens when you have the same manager for more than a decade. That's what happens when some of the leaders on this club, like Johnny Russell, who, who's the starting winger on the other side, um, and just Tim Melia, their goalkeeper, has been there for a decade, and he's been there. The right back, Graham Zuzzi, he's been there for more than a decade. All these guys who have been there forever, and and there's a reason why this team has had sustained success. And in MLS, it's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be ebbs and flows, parity. Everybody has a chance. You, you can go up and down. It's difficult to to have these long, sustained runs in a league like this. And th- that's what they've done. So going to with Daniel Shalwi specifically, he, he came to the Sporting Kansas City Academy, I think, when he was 16 years old. Um, and then he you know pretty quickly got a first-team contract. So he's not 100%, you know, just a player who's important because he had a year or two or however long it was before he was in the first-team environment. But he'll understand what Dijonis is going through. He'll understand, you know, as you say, like, I don't want to generalize, but as somebody who's from a similar part of the world, not not the same, but it, it, it won't hurt having another uh, European and, and, again, somebody who's not too far away. But... I'm not sure if I would see him sold anytime soon. Two years ago, he had, I don't know, the the unluckiest season ever. Like he he went he went the entire season without, uh, I think, the last game he scored his first goal and his like expected goals, his shots on target. Like it was borderline inexplicable how unlucky he got. And there was kind of a point where, you know, some other teams were asking about him and and they were trying to see if Kansas City would would sell him low, you know, within the league or out of the league. And, and Kansas City kind of stuck to say, hey, no, we believe in him. And then last year he had like 16 goals and 10 assists or something. So he's somebody who's going to play a lot. Like that's not going to be an easy player to get past in the starting 11. The other winger is one of their highest paid players and and really well respected. But there is enough games in MLS. There is enough midweek, all the travel that comes with it that, you know, these these guys aren't going to start 34 games each. So if Johnny's can, you know, position himself as first rotation option on either wing, because all these players, you know, while they have preferred size, Shallowy prefers to play on the left, but he can play on the right. Johnny Russell pretty much always plays on the right, but he can play through the center. So you go through these different combinations. As long as he can, you know, earn the trust of Peter Vermees, which is not an easy thing, but once you've got it, it it's difficult to shake. 
if he can earn the trust of Peter Ramis and become maybe the first option as far as rotation and off the bench, he's going to play a ton. Well, that's good to hear. I was kind of hope. Well, I was kind of thinking you're going to say that he might be sent to um, Swope Park because they're the team in the USL, aren't they? Yeah. So there's oh my, not to. Hey, I, new, I, know about, new, I, know, no, no, I know about USL. Don't worry, Mark, Mark Briggs is a good friend. No, no, no. But there's a new USL. league. There's a new league. Like it, <laughs> is it it, a brand new one? Yeah. It's called MLM Pro. That's supposed to be a development league. Oh, so, right. So he's gonna get time somewhere. Whether it's with him, like they won't have him just sitting and rotting on the bench, which is good. And and I guess the good news is that it should be easier for him to go back and forth between the first and second team, and you know, again, more Europeanized as you were using the Americanized term before. So. Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see. Next year is the first year of this league, so I'm interested to see what it actually turns into and what it looks like. But theoretically, this is the kind of player who stands to benefit from there being um, a second league that's more closely tied to MLS. Well, I know preseason's starting very soon. Is that started a week ago for everybody, two weeks ago for the teams that are in the CONCACAF Champions Right. So Johnny's has been playing since August. <laughs> so he, he doesn't really need the preseason. Obviously, he needs to integrate with his colleagues, the teammates, etc., and, and work out a way of, of playing in the system. What can you tell us? I mean, because look, a lot of us are very, I would say, concerned. But you know, player from from little Cyprus going to massive America, Kansas goes over two states or something, doesn't it? <laughs> so you know, how, how is he going to settle? How uh, do you think the club are going to help him? Yeah, and that's a, that I've spoken to people at the club about this too. They were pretty deliberate of however many years ago of like really caring about the player person, the, the the lifestyle, or rather, you know, the settling in off the field. They have a dedicated staff to this. They 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 realized quickly that it'd be really stupid to invest in these players and then just only care about them on the field because it's tied it, to protect your investment in these players. They need to settle well off the field and they need to, you know, have their hand held sometimes because these kind of moves are insanely difficult and they want it. To, they, their philosophy is to make it as easy for the player to just focus on playing and, and integrating into the team rather than into the city. There's, there'll be people helping them, you know, get an apartment. There'll be people helping them, you know, with furniture, all that stuff. So they, they all clubs kind of have these stabs, but Sporting Kansas City are one that I've, I've talked to people at the club that this is something that they you know prioritize. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> that's good to hear. Wait, so, I, I could have used that in college, though. So. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so in terms of what Sporting KC fans, yourself, and and other people know, what do you guys know about Johnny's? Nothing. <laughs> really? <laughs> we people saw the like even like when I reported that the deal was close, like I got a lot of people just going to hey, like what do you know about him? And I'm like, well, I can tell you his stats, I can tell you some things that I've heard from the club, but I you know, I'm not gonna lie and say that I've watched him and and there was a lot of who is this? Like, oh, like let me look at his transfer. Oh, like this seems like a good profile. So nothing in short. Mm. That, that's fair enough, because I was speaking to uh, my co-host Ryan on the podcast. I think, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I spoke to him about it today, but I think I might have said it on the podcast when I did one on my own. And with Johnny's going to the United States, Omonia's academy went through a massive restructure four or five seasons ago. Mm -hmm. And we're now seeing a lot of younger players breaking through into the first team. Um, it isn't just Johnny's. We've got Loizzo, Gaguli, we've got uh, blimey, uh, Crystal, we've got, we've got a lot of players that are breaking through the first team. So our academy is thriving. And my point was, well, okay, first of all, this shines a light on our academy, shows how successful it's been. Obviously, there mm -hmm. are eyes on, on other players, not just Johnny's. Yeah. 
But also, do you think there's a possibility, possibility that maybe Omone and Sporting Casey will come to some kind of developmental agreement further down the line? Because I know that in the States, Liverpool have got an academy, Dortmund, many European mm-hmm. clubs have got them. So do you think Sporting Casey will be a, a, an MLS club doing something similar in Cyprus, in Europe? Um, I, I don't know about something as formal as that, but you know, I, I, I can't, you know, in good conscience rule it out, I suppose. But I mean, just even like more informally, like the more deals that are done, the more open markets get. So going to, there's a million examples across the world, but it is MLS specifically a club called Real Salt Lake signed a center back from Columbia in like 2008. And Columbia wasn't a market that was sending many players to MLS, particularly not defenders. You know, sometimes you, you get a couple forwards here and there. But this defender was an instant success. He won defender of the year. The next three or four years, guess how many Colombian center backs came to MLS? So th- this is, it, it, it's pretty simple that when, you know, clubs see, oh, this is a market that we haven't tapped into yet. This is a market that, oh, like we might've seen a player or two here or there. We're not totally sure how, this skill set or how like these, this uh, competition would translate to MLS. And then if you see a player or two start to have success, it gets open and open and it makes it easier and easier. It's why when clubs go to buy Brazilian and Argentine players from all over the world, it costs more than buying an American at this point, because the track record is proven for decades. If you go to Brazil and Argentina, not that every single player is going to be a hit, but there is such a, a, a deep history of all these great players going to Europe and, and shining that, you have to pay more to sign these players because they are a proven commodity. So the more and more, so if, if Dijonis works out, I promise you this point in Kansas City, you're going to continue looking at this club. And I promise you other MLS teams will. And then it just slowly goes from there at you start trusting as more and more goes back and forth. And that's not to say that if he's not very good, that team will never look at, at Cypress again. But it's, it's something that the more good that happens, the more clubs will try to copy. Absolutely. So how do you think Sporting KC will feel when Johnny's is having to play for the national team? Because look, I'm not going to lie to you. The Cypriot football team is shit. They're, they're, <laughs> they're bad. You know, but the thing is, I don't blame most of the players. I blame right. the head coach and I blame the football association for the way they handle things. But anyway, that's just another story for another time. But when Johnny's is having to play for Cyprus against Estonia or Albania or Malta, how do you think Sporting KC will will feel about him having to play these international games, traveling to Europe. Um, the the fans will be proud. The club will be proud too. I mean, the the travel isn't ideal, but MLS teams love this. They like like you'd want to have your players there all the time, but they love being able to say, hey, like if if Cyprus, if, hey, World Cup qualifiers, one of our players is playing right now. Go watch this. Like teams do that all the time. Um, Columbus's best player recently got through ancestries he's an argentine player lucas elarion but through his ancestors he qualified for like an armenian passport and the club knew when they signed him two years ago that this was a potential thing and the club was super excited for him they're like yeah like if you want to do it like the borderline halfway around the world from here and it's not great for you coming back with tired legs but hell yeah we're happy for you and and look you got to play in world cup qualifiers that's a win-win for us too like that puts people in armenia looking at columbus crew or you know people in mls saying oh look like uh, a Columbus player is playing against a German national team. So these are all things that are positives. Like it doesn't matter how, you know, big or small the country is, how big or small the national team is. Obviously if there's a German international, Italian international, like in the league, that's going to take precedence. But honestly, like the, the club will be thrilled for him as, as he continues to shine. Well, I'll tell you this, you know, a hand on heart. I, I'm going to, I'm a sporting KC fan now. That's it. <laughs> that's exactly. it. You know, I, I, I watch MLS and I follow certain teams. I don't have a, a, a favorite, right. but now they're, they're my favorite. <laughs> 
Exactly. Right? And, and see, this is the thing. You're going to see a lot of sporting KC shirts worn in Cyprus. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's kind of like in Japan, you know, where play, yeah. teams are signing Japanese players, so they call them T-shirts, you know. <laughs> but um, I've got a couple of questions here. How much is the club game? How much is Omone game? Do you, do you know? Because we've been told between one and a half and two million euros. I don't know what it is in, in dollars. Or, yeah. What do you know? That- that's what I've heard as well. I've, I've heard between, you know, around 2 million, you know, give or take. I don't know what is tied up in incentives or not, or if it's all guaranteed. But yeah, that, that that's not an incorrect figure. I've been told there's a 10% sell-on fee as well, which works sense. well for, for us, obviously. But um, And there's another question here, which I don't think it's a fair question um, in terms of how is MLS competitive ranking comparison with, with the Cypriot League. I could tell you this for free. The Cypriot League is, it isn't, perfect <laughs> to put it that way you know there's a lot of good players there's a lot of terrible players again going back to the the football association which i don't like doing but it's a fact that they don't make it easier for everyone else there's a lot of strange decisions that occur mm. in, in the Cypriot league and i can give you some examples off air um <laughs> but we're going to right now but in terms of the quality as someone that that's watched mls i watched the um the final between uh new york city and portland portland yeah, and that was a very entertaining game. But the defensive mistakes I see in MLS, I see in Cyprus. Mm. But the I think the attacking threat and the physicality, the pace, the fitness, um, the sports science element, there's streets ahead in, in the States, yeah. streets ahead. And that's to be expected because yeah. in the United States, athletes are athletes. Whether it be NFL, NBA, NHL, they're all athletes. And that's mm. what they're going to make try and make Johnny's be, a, a supreme yeah. athlete, I guess. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, uh, and again, like that's definitely a truism about MLS that uh, some players who are, you know, used to a different style, like say, you know, the Venezuelan international, Jefferson Soteldo, he was best 11 in Copa Libertadores. He was visibly frustrated by the the physicality that came with MLS. Um, and again, like that's not to say that it's the most that, that, that other leagues aren't physical, but there is an element of, you know, athleticism that comes with this league and, and kind of what is prioritized in, in way of transition play, like uh, all this stuff. So yeah, that's something, there are a lot of teams that play Gigan pressing and there are a lot of teams that really get stuck in. Um, so yeah, when it comes to that, like the games are entertaining, they're in transition they're you know, it, it's, it is a physical league and, but I, I'm trying to be careful to not make it sound like a bunch of donkeys just kicking the ball and running as hard as they can. You know, there is quality, obviously, um, I mean, I <laughs> will never know what it, what it would be like for an MLS club to say play in the Europa League, but you know, with with Cypriot clubs playing in the Europa League, that's I guess comparable. I, I think it, it I'd sound too much like a homer if I said that I thought that MLS clubs could play in the Europa League, but I, I do believe that like the top of the league could I guess theoretically compete in the group stage there. I mean, again, we'll never know, but I think that the top the, the top clubs in in Cyprus could compare it with MLS clubs. Oh wow! Okay, okay, that's that's interesting. I mean, yeah. To be fair, th- this season has probably been the most competitive the Cypriot League has seen yeah. for for many years. There are at least four teams in with a shot to to win the title. In fact, the team that's top at the moment got promoted from uh, Division yeah. Two last season, but they're they're backed by a Russian billionaire, and they they've been able yeah. to spend a lot of money. Unfair. Uh, <laughs> but we won't go into that again. Um, just, just a final question, there, Tom. Before I let you go, and again, I, I really appreciate you jumping. I know you're you're a busy guy. Um, when you want to talk about Johnny's uh, at Sporting KC and what he can bring to the table, what you've got, as I said before, you've got a very committed player, a player that is willing to learn. He's not a bad egg 
you know what I mean? He's not one of those kids that's going to go off the rails. He's a very humble, humble lad. Um, and I, I really hope fans don't expect him to hit the ground ground running straight away. And I know football fans are fickle. Football fans can be very impatient. But what I've noticed about MLS fans, they're not the type of supporters that make a judgment after one or two games. So I think that works in Johnny's favour. Yeah, and I, I think you're spot on because... There are a lot, like, I think MLS fans understand that it's not easy for players to adapt to, you know, the move on and off the field, um, particularly at somebody his age and it's somebody, the way that, like, the budget works and salary cap works, which I know is a foreign concept to European soccer fans for the most part, but he's not somebody who's taking up a big part of the budget. He's somebody who they haven't decided, there's a new, like, initiative where you could sign three players for under 22 years old and you can pay them kind of whatever you want and they'll hit the salary cap at a reduced charge. They might use that for him. They haven't decided yet. They have a month to decide. But regardless, he's not somebody that the club are committing a ton of resources to. So there aren't going to be high expectations that he comes out of the box immediately and is starting games and, and, and contributing goals. Like he's somebody that I think fans will understand he, with his age, with his profile, might, you know, they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt for a little while. Like, again, this is something that, as you say, it, it's a lot of MLS fans are patient, are patient when it comes to this. Fantastic. Well, Tom, thank you ever so much again for your time, mate. And uh, I really hope you can come on again and maybe give us an update on how Johnny's is getting on. Um, I'm, I'm definitely keeping both my eyes on this. And uh, I'm really excited at the same time. I think what, what this move does, it gives a lot of hope for, for these younger players who perhaps feel okay, I'm going to play for my money. I'm going to play for Abo, whichever team it is in Cyprus. And perhaps I might get a move to a club in Greece. I might get a move to a club in Bulgaria. No disrespect, but MLS is a growing league. You're seeing more and more clubs. You know, you've got expansions mm. and, and franchises and all that kind of stuff. You've got clubs in Canada playing in MLS now, which is, I say now, but you know what I mean. Right, right, Toronto, right. Et cetera. Um, so I think it's a fantastic platform. And, and this move, as I said earlier, is historical. It's never been done before, and it gives these lads hope. And um, yeah, thank you, Sporting. You've um, yeah, you've given me something else to watch now at night. <laughs> another you know, hat. Enough watch enough <laughs> well, Tom, finally, go. Have you got any uh, social media that you would like to mention so people can follow you? Maybe you can give them updates on Johnny's himself. You know, yeah, yeah just... talking about Melissa with this <laughs> on, on Twitter at Tom Bogart or at MLSaga.com. I'm sure though, either either one's good. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. Well, Gobelia, this was another episode of the Notch of this podcast. And obviously, an impromptu one. I think you guys got a lot of value out of this. Don't forget, go on OLB24.com. We've got a merchandise section and we've got our John in the USA t-shirts now. If you want to buy Johnny's shirt, he's on his Harley. He's got his US flag. He's got Sporting KC State. It's, it's a brilliant design. <laughs> Modern, it's absolutely fantastic. So until next time, Gobelia, bye, Michelle.